So I was, um, you know, this is like the first talk of the year and that in my brain thinks it needs to be something in particular um, other than just what's present in the moment. Um, and I was uh, thinking about, you know, the three characteristics of existence because I was talking about impermanence the other morning and somebody talked about how terrifying that concept is for them and I thought I'd ex look into that and that didn't land and then I said how about joy joy is always really important you know I, I was wish I found myself wishing people joy this year that they experience joy because we do tend to focus on the negative and it's really important to recognize there is joy and to learn how to cultivate it but and I said nah <laughs> and then um uh you know, what I started reflecting on is, is um, what are we doing here? Why do we sit? You know, why do we listen to Dharma talks? Why do we meditate? You know, and I, and I, and I started sitting with that and, and reflecting on that. And for me, it was a way to ease discomfort that I really didn't even know I was in or... Not that I didn't know I was uncomfortable, but I don't know if I was willing to acknowledge it. You know, I think I wasn't willing to look at what the real source of the discomfort was. It was a lot of shoulda, coulda, wouldas, I gotta do better, you know, that judging mind. Um, you know, when I came to formal meditation practice because it was recommended, um, and it held a promise, although I wasn't sure what that promise was. And I had been um, meditating kind of off and on on my own for many, many years, very informally, no training, just kind of doing a little mantra that I would, you know, make up on my, on my own. A lot of which I was surprised was, in looking back, it was like a letting go, let go, let go, um, you know. Um, and when I was reflecting on this, what it reminded me of was the, the teaching of the five... Um, spiritual faculties and they are faith energy mindfulness concentration and wisdom and the reason I thought of this is because faith is the first one and faith is that um, faith is a word that doesn't always land well with people because faith is oftentimes um, tied up with religious uh, teachings like you got to have faith, just do it because I say so. Um, but faith can also mean um, trust. It can mean confidence. And I found that's what, and all this is in, a lot of this is in hindsight. I didn't know it at the time, but in reflection and looking back, I see that I had a confidence or a trust or faith that this practice would be beneficial in some way because um, people had told me it was worthwhile. I mean, I'd been hearing about meditation almost all my life when I was a kid and the Beatles started hanging out with the Maharishi and doing TM and stuff like that. I never got into it then, but it was kind of there. It was always there. And later I heard more about it. You really should do But I had no clue how to do it. What does that even mean? I can't meditate. My mind won't stop. Little do, did I know that, 
you know, that's part of the praxis. So, um, so it was recommended to me. I read books. I started reading books that appealed to me, especially when my first um, Buddhist book uh, by Pema Chodron. That was really uh, a powerful um, invitation to this practice. Um, I heard multiple stories of people's lives being transformed, and I had hope that it would work for me. And so that was my faith. That was my trust or my confidence. It's like, okay, I, I see all these things. I've heard all these stories. I was very, oh yeah, I was also very taken with Thich Nhat Hanh. I remember seeing him back, oh, 30 some odd years ago when he came to Santa Monica. And I still remember his chanting, breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out. And so, yeah, that was 30 years ago. Um, and so there was always this draw, and then finally I said, all right, and I was in with this form, with the formal practice, going to Dharma classes, listening to talks, and um, the, the, that, so that was the first thing, and that's what I really, uh, uh, you know, that's, that was the first step into uh, this practice. And then the second faculty of, um, sp- the second spiritual faculty is the faculty of effort. And, no, and none of these that I've mentioned, except maybe faith, um, is anything that's not found somewhere else in the teachings. A lot of them are, um, the rest of them, are fact, are factors of the Eightfold Path, energy, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. They're part of the paramis. They're, they're, um, some of them are in the seven factors of awakening. And that's, that's the, the beauty of what the Buddha taught is that he taught this basic stuff, you know, that we, we joke and say there's only, really only one Dharma talk, but he told it in multiple different ways um, based on who he was talking to, based on how they would hear it best. And so he comes to the same thing from multiple directions. And so I really like a lot of these lists because they do kind of put the things differently t- together differently. So this, 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 um, these spiritual faculties are, are a, another way to look at these teachings. And the effort is to have this right effort, not too much, not too little, just that Goldilocks principle. It's like just right. Um, you know, and I think it's really, um, a tendency that we have in this culture to oftentimes strive to get it right. Um, so we, you know, we sit down and we're going to do this right. We're going to get this meditation. And if our mind starts wandering, it's because we're not doing it well enough and we were just better meditators than our mind would. And so we just, you know, bear down, clench our jaws and tighten our fists and get this meditation right. And Wise effort is not that. Wise effort is doing the appropriate amount of effort. And if you're, if you tend to be a striver, a, somebody who like bears down and wants to get it right, you know, first or second time out, then maybe you back off a little bit. Maybe effort is in, in the releasing of that striving, the releasing of the, the attachment to the result of I want to get to that place, you know. I trust I'm going to get to this place of ease, and I need to get there now. And it's like, you know, maybe you need to back off a little bit. 
there's a story about Ananda's awakening. Ananda was the the Buddhist the, the Buddha's main assistant, and he was never he was not enlightened during the uh, when he was with the Buddha. But he 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 had a uh, and a memory where he remembered everything the Buddha taught. So after the Buddha died, there was a council of um, four hundred a council of five hundred. 499 of them were arahants, they were enlightened, and then Ananda. And they invited Ananda because he did have this amazing memory that he could, he remembered all the Buddha's teachings, all the sermons he gave because he was there. And the day before the, the conference was, the council was supposed to begin, Ananda was just like pacing and pacing and pacing and he knew he was not enlightened and all the others were and he was like oh I gotta get enlightened before tomorrow I gotta get enlightened before tomorrow and he was just bearing down bearing down bearing down and then he all of a sudden realized he goes you know what I don't think this is working so what he did is he 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 backed off and he just moved into this this continuity of mindfulness this mindfulness of, he said, you know what, I'm tired, I'm just going to go rest, I'm just going to go to bed. And he just was in his body as he was walking, he could feel his foot, one foot lifting, putting down, the next foot lifting, putting down, that walking meditation, that mindfulness, just out of the head and into the body, and down, sitting down on his bed and laying down and totally letting go and opening to the present moment. And poof, that's when he was enlightened. And he walked into the council the next day and the other 499 just knew immediately by looking at him that he had, had, had achieved a liberation, awakening. And so that's the story of letting go. So know yourself. When, when it, it, too much is, is um, too much and back off a little bit. And then the opposite is, is true if you are tend toward the slacker side Maybe give it a little bit more. It's like, oh, that's enough. And it's like, really, maybe, maybe I can sit a little bit more, or maybe I can, maybe I can do something more. Be bring some more mindfulness to this. So find your own way. That effort is that wise effort. What's the appropriate effort in this moment to keep going, um, to keep the momentum going? Because once you start moving in a particular direction, that momentum kind of builds on itself it has its own strength so you don't need to keep pounding you don't need to keep this forceful attention to things it's like it's i, I was thinking about when i would used to camp all the time and we'd go rafting river uh, tubing in the river and so i would when i was first starting out i was constantly you know trying to push and make sure i was going in the right direction blah 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 and people were like no just let go let this let the current take you and it would it would take me. Very rarely would I have to kind of, you know, s fix the course to, to not get caught up in some snags or stuff. But the most of the effort was getting into the river, getting into the tube, and then launching. And then the rest was just the flow. So that's how this practice works. It's just, you know, get into the flow and trust. As you practice more, the, the wisdom begins to grow because you begin to have more clarity about um, what's going on. Um, and this next, this next um, spiritual faculty is, is one that supports that, which is mindfulness. You know, to be with the experience of the moment. 
you know, to, and, and I can't remember who it was who called this the, the, um, the way of wisdom, but the wisdom is what this, these five faculties lead to. And was it Jensuma Tenzin Palma, who is this, um, uh, Tibetan nun, very wise woman. And she talked about, she said, wisdom means to see the things as they really are which is not how we usually see things. We usually value, we usually see things valued very much by our own concepts, judgment, and ideas. We don't see things as they really are. As the veils of our delusion begin to thin, then we begin to see things more clearly. So as we disentangle ourselves from those stories, our concepts, our judgments, our ideas, our preconceived notions, then the clarity grows and the wisdom grows. And that is, you know, we need mindfulness for that, to be present with what is, not what we think it is or what we think it should be. And so there's the the awareness, the embodied awareness as well. Buddha talked about that in the First Noble Truth you know, or excuse me, the first foundation of mindfulness. Be aware of the breath, the body, the movement, not too much effort. Allow allow the flow to just take over. Um, Sayada Utejaniya, who's a Burmese monk, he said, you know, when you're, when you're experiencing the present moment, and I really like the way he says this, he says, when you hear a sound, pay attention to the ears not to the outside object. You cannot hear the outside object. It's only when the sound touches the ear. Only then can we know. And that, I think that's a really interesting way to look at something or to, to, to bring perspective to something. Because often we're, I, I sometimes give that instruction meditation, don't go out and grasp onto something and pull it towards you, allow it to arrive. And so you're hearing the, the, the sound as it touches the eardrums and all those other things. The same thing with sight, when the, when the object touches the, what is it, the retina. And the, you, don't, you can't taste food until it gets into your mouth. You can smell it and have a, a, a sense of what it might taste like. And then when it gets to your tongue, then there's the real thing. So that's a real present time awareness be fully embodied there is only our experience our direct experience of things not what we think about things that's wisdom that's the dropping the veils the conditioning there's only the now that's all there is and then um moving the next one is samadhi which is usually translated as concentration. But when I first would, would think about concentration, and, then, and as I said, it's also a factor in the Eightfold Path, I thought of it as super-duper focus on a particular thing, just like, you know, like laser-pointed focus, which was a bit of, which was striving, which was like, uh, you know, teeth clenched, shoulders hunched, just like, focus, 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 don't let anything distract you. And that's not what it is. It's a, I've heard a few teachers now call it something other than concentration, like steadiness, 
or collectedness of the mind or stability. There's this steadiness that is, the mind is, and I think uh, Utejaniya said this, when there is the right samadhi, the mind is light and energetic and free and clear and stable. The opposite of striving and to focus and block things out. So there's this, this steadiness that just arises from not grasping, not clinging, just being. It's like that floating down the river on the inner tube. There's this lightness to it, this steadiness to it. You know? You don't don't pay attention to the storyline. You know, that's where we get caught up is the story, our ideas. Instead, just know that this is happening. This is happening. This is happening. Or as I like to say, right now it's like this. Or, you know, what is this? What is this? What is this? Just right here, right now. Not over there, not yesterday. But that's the practice of mind of mindfulness, which mindfulness leads us to this concentration. And uh, Jensen, Jitsuma Tenzin Palmo says, the first thing is to learn how to quiet the mind, relax the mind, and bring awareness to the front so that we're conscious of what we're doing when we're doing it without all the commentary. Like the, the Buddha said, when there's breath, know there's breath. When there's sound, know there's sound. That's all. It's so simple. It's just not easy. The simplicity is amazing, but the, the, the follow-through is like, oh, my God, how old am I? I've got that many years of conditioning to, to work my way through, you know? And that's where the kindness and compassion comes in. It's like, um, and the teachings around the paramis, the paramis um, are these 10 qualities that they say are necessary for awakening. The story around it, which is later after the time of the Buddha, is that these 10 qualities, um, before the Buddha took birth as Siddhartha Gautama, he lived multiple lives, multiple lives. Um, they said, eons and eons and eons of lives which is eons are I don't even know how long they are but that's a lot of time and um, my uh, somebody was talking the other day and said that the Buddha lived 86,000 lives she just came back from India and said they said he had 86,000 lives before that's eons worth of lives um, and then he finally took birth as Siddhartha Gautama and in the in the paramis it talks about each of those lives, he was working on these different qualities. All I know that means is that it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a minute. So that's where patience is necessary. That's where gentleness is necessary. That's where this invitation to not think we're going to get it all done in one day or one hour or one retreat. It takes time. And if you... And this is where you revisit faith or, or trust is sometimes we get caught up in doubt, doubt such one of the parent, uh, excuse me, one of the hindrances. Really, is this stuff working? Why bother? You know, especially if it takes a long time. I've been doing this for years and I still have this thought. I still feel these emotions. It's like, you know what? It is what it is. It doesn't mean you're not doing it right. It just means some of this stuff is so deeply embedded. It takes a minute. But 
Where were you when you started and where are you today? Is there a difference? And for me, I still get stuck in certain things. I still have some storylines that show up and I think I'm going to have them till the day I die. Maybe not, but maybe I will. Can I be at peace with that? And also see how dramatically different my life is today from when you when I first started practicing. So that's the constant revisiting of faith and trust. Trust that I've been doing this for a while. I trust that if I keep doing what I've been doing, I'm going to keep going in that same direction. And there will be more freedom. There will be more liberation. Maybe I won't be completely enlightened, but the, the freedom in this moment is very worthwhile. And then the last piece is the wisdom, you know, to be with what is real, not just what we want to be real, to be at ease with this moment, free from the conditioning that clouds us, uh, to have a mind without craving or aversion, to see clearly the reality, a mind that understands the three characteristics, anicca, impermanence, that there's no fixed self, that we're just all causes and conditions, to see the unsatisfactory nature of the human condition, the, the loss and the, 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 the grief and the, the birth, what is it, the Buddha said, birth is suffering, death is suffering, you know, losing things we love, that's, that's suffering, that's dukkha. Um, understanding the Four Noble Truths that, that, you know, our suffering is caused by our wanting things to be good all the time pushing away discomfort. Um, a mind, wisdom is a mind full of compassion, kindness, joy, and equanimity. The Buddha said we dwell with a mind, a mind and a heart filled with compassion and kindness and joy and equanimity. It's just there. It's just there. And then we have a mind free and liberated. That's what wisdom is. That's what wisdom you know, it's, it's very similar to the seven factors of awakening, these, these five, these five um, uh, spiritual faculties. The faculty, awakening factors are mindfulness, investigation. What is this? Energy, same thing, staying on the path. And then moving, once there's that stability or once there's that energy to stay present, there's this joy, this 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 ease, this tranquility, this contentment. Not changing the outside circumstances, but changing our relationship to them. And then there's the, the samadhi, the collectedness of the mind, and then there's the equanimity. So there's that equanimity is, is, is being able to respond with wisdom, being able to be with, intimate with whatever shows up without preference for something different. So that's where this freedom is. And, um, you know, I, I, it's, like I said, it's not necessarily easy, but it's quite simple when you pay attention and you break it down. And I think when you are um, serious enough about the practice that you begin to taste the fruits of it and see the shifts in your own experience and how you react differently to things and how you're able to see how maybe you cause 
some of your own difficulties by being attached to something uh, specific. I want what I want when I want it, even though it's an impossible thing. I talked. I did a half day. Taught a half day this morning, and was reminded of a story I tell frequently of when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, I was kind of a nanny to these two kids, and the girl was eight years old, and she wanted a salami sandwich, and I said, "There's no salami," so she had a tantrum. She had an eight-year-old tantrum, and threw herself on the floor and screamed and yelled and kicked and jumped up and down and did all those things, and I just stood there and looked at her and said, "There's no salami." I and you know that's. That's us. Without wisdom, we're caught up in this, I want what I want when I want it, even though it's an impossibility. And so to have the clarity that comes with, okay, it's like this. No salami. I can have tempeh instead. Yes. So um, that's the invitation of these faculties. And so I invite you to... um, uh, reflect on 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 where you are with these, on perhaps what brought you to practice, what uh, confidence or trust, um, what keeps you going, because those are the spiritual faculties. I bet if you reflect on your own history, your own practice, you can see your story in these, in the faith, in the in the energy, in the mindfulness, in the concentration, and in the wisdom, the stability of the mind and the wisdom. However great or, you know, grand or not grand it is, I bet you can find your story um, in these teachings. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much, my friends. I really appreciate your attention and I hope it has been of some benefit. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.